Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. My name is Lori Reigel, the Puberty Prof. And today, the podcast is on taking care of your skin. And I have Dr. Craig Moni, who is a dermatologist in the area where I live. And I thank you so much, Dr. Moni, for being here today. So would you mind saying hello to our audience and introduce, like, tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. Uh, um, I am a dermatologist, obviously. I grew up in Portage, Michigan, where I practice. Um, I went to Michigan State University and have degrees there and uh, also one from Western Michigan University. I studied business in college and went on after that to go to medical school. Um, I, from there, went to Wake Forest University in North Carolina, where I earned my medical degree. Um, And from there, I came back to Kalamazoo and did a residency in internal medicine for three years um, at what was then Kalamazoo Center for Medical Studies at Michigan State University. And from there, I went down to Case Western University or Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland and studied dermatology for three years, and then moved back to the area and opened a practice in 1998. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for being here. I appreciate your time today. My next question for you is, what is common for children and teens to go through regarding their skin? Well, so if you, if you look at kids and teenagers that you separate them, you know, sort of what I do in my mind is I separate them from pre-puberty to puberty because they have different issues at different stages of their life. So young kids before puberty, you know, generally speaking, you know, unless they have say, you know, some sort of a dermatologic condition like psoriasis or eczema or, you know, one of, you know, one of the genetic things, their skin is pretty easy to take care of. They don't produce a lot of oils, so they really don't have a lot of issues with their skin. So other than, you know, keeping it clean, they really don't have a lot of of needs other than, you know, sunscreen, obviously, because as you know, or as you, you know, I'll tell you is when you look at skin cancer in, in older adults, which is typically when you see it, a lot of the damage to their skin that causes cancers later in life actually comes from sun they had when they were very young. So young kids need obviously sunscreen. Um, and that's a good practice to start when they're young. Um, but other than that, you know, they really don't need that much, you know, as far as keeping it clean or, you know, sunscreening and that kind of thing. Now, when you move into sort of puberty into the teenage years, everything changes. Um, you know, everything starts to mature under the influence of hormones. And um, there, there are a lot of changes that take place in the skin. And one of those is that the, the hair follicles begin to mature and they're associated um, sebaceous glands and things like that. 
So when you start to go through puberty under the influence of hormones, you start to produce more oil in your skin. So kids will start to notice, hey, my, my skin gets oily, my hair gets oily, I'm starting to get a little acne, um, you know, things like that. So their needs, their needs change. And as those sebaceous glands produce more oil, they start to, you know, they also start to develop, you know, more mature hair follicles. Um, kids will notice at that age, you know, they start to get facial hair, some of them early, some of them a little later. They'll also start to get pubic and axillary hair that they didn't have when they were obviously children. So you have to start doing things like wearing deodorant because then you can develop things like body odor that you get as a teenager that you didn't get when you were a child because you didn't have those same issues. So things change and then certain things have to happen like wearing deodorant, bathing regularly, taking care of your skin, probably treating acne in some form or another, whether it's mild or, or more severe, you know, with over-the-counter things or needing to go to the dermatologist. So but those are the ask, kind of major things that happen as kids, you know, go through puberty. Can I ask, sometimes when we teach in the health classroom, we use the term acne and pimples interchangeably. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Is that okay that we do that? No, I mean, pimples are one of the manifestations of acne. So in acne, you can have the, the main lesion of acne is what they call a comedone. So it's a blackhead or a whitehead. And then those sort of become what we would consider pimples. And then kids can also develop, you know, more inflammatory lesions like cysts and nodules and things that eventually lead to scars and things like that. So pimples are what, you know, everybody thinks of, you know, as, as acne, but, you know, the more correct, I guess, scientific way to do it would be to say, you know, a pimple is just one of the manifestations of acne per se. And would you recommend like for younger people that if they have a pimple, they should pop it? Here's my take on that. So it's kind of one of two things. If you have a pimple or a, you know, a lesion that has a really big white head on it and you can, you know, squeeze it and it'll pop very easy. Yeah. I don't really have a much problem with that. Truthfully. Now, what happens is a lot of kids get these sort of deeper, what I, everybody refers to them as these little underground pimples. They're kind of sore and tender and, you know, they hurt. And then they'll start squeezing on those. And those are the worst thing you can do to those. That's the worst thing you can do because what will happen is that injures that follicle under there with that pressure and that squeezing. And that instead of coming out, it'll actually rupture sometimes down under. And that will create infection and it will create inflammation. And, and sometimes it will, when that heals, it'll cause scarring. So as a general rule, I think if you have a really prominent pustule or what we call a big whitehead, that's easy to, you know, gently push and get stuff out of, I don't really have a problem with you doing that. I do not tell kids, I tell them all the time, do not push on things that don't have prominent heads on them. Don't push on those tender ones. Don't squeeze your, your acne lesions, you know, at all. If you, unless they're, you know, sort of right there, ready to go. 
Is that the same with blackheads? Blackheads, yeah. I mean, blackheads and tend to be what we would call an open comedone, and and really what that is is that's a little follicle that's sort of stuffed with keratin that's mm-hmm. trying to express, but it's stuck in there, and it dilates the little follicle, and then oxygen oxidizes that keratin, so it turns black, and those those are very hard to to get out, you know, stuff out of. And so you can end up injuring your skin, you know, picking away at those. So what do you recommend to teenagers, preteens that have these conditions? And let's say it's not just one or two, it's really all over their face and on their back and, and all. So what we do or what I do when I see a, 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 you know, a young teenager with acne is I try to put them in a category. So they are either, you know, they have mild acne or they may have a lot of a few blackheads and and um, maybe an occasional whitehead, but they're they're really pretty mild and they can be treated very successfully with you know topical medications and and that's what I recommend. Some kids, if it's super super mild, you know, they can still do some of the over the counter things and still you know do just fine. But kids with with milder acne. We, we treat them with medication, usually topical medications, um, which would include maybe a benzoyl peroxide, um, a topical retinoid like Retin-A or, or Adapalene or what everybody calls Differin. You see it in the store. Topical medicines work very, very well for them. And then kids who are a little worse, you know, we would put in the moderate category. Now, those are kids who tend to have not just the, the blackheads, but also will have a, a what you guys call pimples. So they'll have white, you know, heads that are kind of red and sometimes they get the white heads on them. They'll get it, you know, maybe not just on their face, but a little on their chest or their back. And those are kids who, same thing, we treat them, same topicals, we treat the kids with milder acne, but we also at that point might add something like an oral antibiotic, either, you know, short term or, you know, maybe a little longer, depending on how they respond to it. And now with acne, there are so many different topical medications you can use. So you can play with combinations of different topicals and be pretty successful with those kids too. A lot of times if you treat those kids with antibiotics and let those topicals have time to really work well, you can wean them off, you know, the oral antibiotics and and control them fairly well with topical medication. And then there's the kids who are what I would call more severe acne. And those are kids who get not just whiteheads and blackheads, but they'll get big, you know, cysts and nodules. And and when they heal, they'll leave little scars and they'll they'll have them on their chest, their back, their shoulders, they'll have them on their face. And and those are kids who are they're very hard to treat. Um, And you see it in both men and women, but more so in men. Uh, mostly because acne is driven a lot by that, you know, male sex hormones. But those kids are kids, you know, you start them on aggressive antibiotics, aggressive topical therapy, and sometimes that will work and sometimes it doesn't. And those kids often will end up on drugs like Accutane or or its uh, generic derivatives. So... Is there cause like for some kids to have that happen and others not? 
like typically what I say to kids if they have pimples on their chin, I say, try not to touch your face with dirty hands. Like if you're bored in class, try not to lean your hands on your, on your face. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is that, you know, positive, the right advice, or is there like a cause for why some kids, you had said the testosterone, I'm thinking it's testosterone for more testosterone. Mm-hmm. but is and there another reason? Doesn't. I think certainly, you know, I, in using my own family as an example, I had two of my kids that had acne bad enough that I had to put them on Accutane. And I had two that had like, if they had one pimple, they probably, that was probably it their whole, you know, teenage life. So, and if I look at my brothers and sisters, I had one brother that had pretty, pretty significant acne, but my other brother and my sister and I, almost none. So my dad had a, a little acne as a as a teenager, and same with his couple of his brothers and sisters, but not, you know, the others. So I think some of it is obviously is genetic, and you know, kids with really really severe acne just you know have a combination of you know hormones and genetics that just predispose them to it. What do you recommend parents and other caregivers do for their children regarding any of their skin challenges? Well, so I think first and foremost, as a parent, let's say, it's important to recognize, obviously, and know kind of what to expect these kids are going to go through when they hit teenage. So you got to know as a parent, hey, these are things that my child is going to physiologically maybe, maybe have. So acne, things like that. And then when you do see those things happening, I think, you know, I have a little bit different perspective because I have kids that run the gamut from, you know, one pimple is an absolute tragedy to a hundred, what I would consider, oh my gosh, doesn't bother them one bit. Hmm. So I think as a parent, first thing, you know, is you got to talk to your child when you see, you know, when my kids had acne, I sat down with them. I said, all right, does, does this bother you? One, does it bother, you know, I obviously it bothers me as the parent for most parents, but does my son or my daughter, you know, is this a problem? Is it affecting her self-esteem? Is it, is, do they see it as a big problem? Because I'll get kids that come in the office with their parents for acne and we talk about their acne, we talk about treatment options, and then I can just tell that, that this particular young man or woman could care less about being there. So I have probably a very small chance of getting that that person to to do what they need to do to make their acne better because they really don't they really don't care. And it's it's the parent that cares more than the you know than, than the adolescent does. And that is not a good recipe for success. So I think and then you have opposite, like I said, you have a, a kid who has one or two pimples and they're in there and they want, they want a bazooka, you know, to, to kill it, mm-hmm. you know, and those kids are motivated and they're going to do really well because they want it treated and they want it fixed. So I think as a parent, you, you got to know one, what's coming to, how does it affecting your child? Is it, is it affecting them socially, you know, mentally? And if it is, then you, you need to obviously be aggressive and get them, get them help. 
And if it isn't, you know, then you need to maybe sit back and just kind of, you know, as long as they're not causing scarring and, and awful, you know, stuff that's going to happen, you know, affect them later in life, let them, let them kind of come to that on their own if, if they're going to. Okay. I think sunscreen is a great habit to get kids in early, obviously. That's something, you know, that parents should start when, when kids are little. That should be the same as brushing your teeth or whatever. Kids should just be so used to it by the time they're teenagers that it's 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 just a habit. So that's something I think that that parents can start when kids are little. That um, will be a lifelong habit that will will do a lot of good for them down the road. Kind of like getting into the habit of wearing the seatbelt. It's just everything. It, it's just what you do when you go outside. You put on or before you go outside, put on the sunscreen. Well, it's amazing. I mean, I'm to be honest, I'm a dermatologist and I still don't like wearing sunscreen. I do it. But my kids, it's second nature. They just whip it out, throw it on. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, like I said, it's like brushing their teeth. You know, they're just that's what they do. Good. Good. When do you recommend people seek out a dermatologist for skincare? Okay, so are you are you meaning anyone or are we talking about? For young people, I mean, I would, a parent would, if they're concerned about their child, but is there any other, I would think like, if you have a lot of moles, that's me. Well, so here, here's, well, first of all, if there's any medical reason, so you have a family history of melanoma, you have, you know, something that's happened on your skin acutely, that's, you know, strange or, you know, symptomatic, certainly that needs to be done anything that that can be treated medically like psoriasis or eczema or any anything you know in that skin disease category those those kids should already should automatically be going to a a skin doctor acne things you know that sort of like that that come on as you teenagers that that tend to improve over time as you mature and age I think it depends on the severity of it and how much it bothers uh, bothers the you know the child. Okay, okay, thank you. I have another question. It's a side question, kind of going back to the pimples. Mm-hmm. Some people have said that they, when they have a pimple, they'll put toothpaste on the pimple to help dry it out. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it does. It will shrink a pimple just from the it dries it and shrinks it, dehydrates it. And that's what makes it look better. But toothpaste doesn't actually cure a a pimple. It just, it just makes it smaller and and drier and look better. Okay. Thank you. Well, anything else to share from your perspective as a parent or dermatologist regarding teenagers, preteens and their parents? You know, I, I think it's just important that and this goes for any anything, whether it was skin or anything. I just think it's important that you're going to notice things that that happen and change in your child as they go from being a child into a teenager. And the changes, they're going to have a lot of changes, not just physically. But I think it's important that you you notice those changes. So you got to obviously observe and, and be present, but you have to communicate with your with your child and and acknowledge that hey i'm i'm seeing that you're getting a little acne does it bother you what are you doing about it do you want to do something about it or would you like me to take you to the doctor would you 
And, you know, and the other thing is kids, uh, teenagers tend, you know, tend to keep things, at least a lot of them, tend to keep things bottled up a little bit. And they don't necessarily as open as they used to be when they were younger. So a lot of times you got to pry it, not pry in a way that over the top, but you got to, you know, pull and push a little bit to get answers and get responses that you might not get. They are not going to come to you like they might have years before. They're, you're going to have to probe and you're going to have to ask and you're going to have to kind of do those things. Well, since you're talking and you have that parent perspective, I've heard from some parents that when they start seeing their child like around nine or 10 and they're noticing that they're getting older, they're so hesitant to approach their child because it's like they don't want to acknowledge it and it's hard to approach a child. Like, what advice do you have for a parent with that? It's like the elephant in the room. If you know it's there and nobody talks about it, the, you're, the child knows it's there. You know it's there. It's good. You know, to me, I think you get it out. You you approach them and you you just do it in a way that's not going to put them on the defensive, but you just talk about it. And, you know, to me, I don't under, I really have a hard time with that. We don't talk about that stuff because to be honest with you, if you don't talk about it, your your child might be waiting for you to say something to him, you know, because he doesn't want to say anything. Yeah. So to me, if there's an issue, you you address it. Now, if they say it doesn't bother them and they don't want to do anything, fine, then that's the end of it. As long as, you know, it's not going to cause any problems down the road. You're, you know, you're still up here. You're still the, the grown up and they're not. And you still got to be a grown up and you got to address things. Thank you. Do you mind answering some questions about your own personal experience about growing up? Sure. What memories do you have about puberty and growing up overall? Anything stand out? Oh, boy. You know, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, I had, I would say my going through puberty for me was early on very kind of turbulent. I had a lot of like ups and downs, you know, emotionally and the changes that were going on physically and mentally, but not just physically, but there's also a lot of pressure, you know, at that age, you know, peer pressure, you know, school and friends and, and, you know, other kids, you know, and it's a, just a, it's a tough time. And, you know, you're going through all this stuff, body's changing, you're, you're emotionally, things are a roller coaster a little bit. And then you've got all these pressures that school, socially, at home. So it's a lot of ups and downs. And I, I had plenty of them during that time. The thing I remember most is in when I was in ninth grade, my voice changed and it cracked all the time. And it was just terrible because if you were in class and they would make you read out loud and then, you know, three times during the paragraph, your voice would crack and people would just they were, you know, ruthless, you know, they would laugh and you'd be embarrassed. And so, you know, that was one thing I remember a lot. It was just like, I hated to read out loud when I was in ninth grade because my voice was going from a high voice to a low voice, but it, it had a lot of cracks in the in-between time. How did you learn? Did anybody teach you? Did you have a parent or a teacher? I, I was pretty fortunate. My dad was a physician and my dad was one of those guys that 
he'd ask you whatever was on his mind, you know, or, and he would tell you stuff, even if you didn't want to hear it. So you would be riding along in the car and then, oh, you'd be getting a sex talk and you really wouldn't even know you were getting, you know, (laughs) at that age, you know, you're really, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. It's not something you really want to talk to your dad, but it needs to be done. And, and, And he was good about it. He, so he gave you a little bit of it with a medical spin, you know, and, and he was very approachable and hey, it was, it was mostly, you know, for me as a boy, it was pretty much my dad and, and then whatever you can pick up from your friends, which are probably no, no good things. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. So what was your favorite part about growing up? My, I had a good childhood. I grew up on a blueberry farm where we had... Wow. And we had animals, we had cows, horses, chickens, goats, all sorts of turkeys, ducks, geese, you know, everything. So we raised animals, we had blueberries. So I, I was raised like a farmhand, you know, we worked year round in the in the fields and we just had a really good childhood. I didn't ever, I was outdoors all the time. In the summers, we would hire extra help. So a lot of my friends, you know, were hired in to work on the farm. And so, gosh, I'd spend all summer with my friends working. Now we were working hard, but we were together and we were having fun, you know. And we would work all day in the fields, get hot, sweaty, and dirty. And then we had a lake that at the time when I was growing up didn't have any other houses on it. So when I was done, we were done working, we'd charge down to the lake and jump in, swim. And gosh, I mean, I had a really good childhood. I, I, we fished and hunted and, you know, did just about everything. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was, it was a really good way to grow up. Is there a least favorite part that you had growing up? You know, least favorite part, probably, well, for me, probably it was going from childhood right into adolescence and that, that year or two span. it's like I said, you have so many things that are changing, you know, physically, mentally, you tend, I think a lot of kids tend to be a little more emotional when they're doing that. As you get older, you, especially as you get into 16, 17, 18, you want a little more adult-like responsibility. You want more freedom. You're still dependent on your parents, but you have rules and a lot of those you don't like or understand. And then I think the relationship with your parents changes too from the time when you go from childhood into adolescence. You, I think you you begin to flex your independence muscles a little bit. You get your own opinions and you get your own, you know, beliefs. And sometimes those clash with your parents. And then it's just it's just a normal part of becoming an adult. But it's mm-hmm. just it's a little stressful, obviously, for everybody, and not just for a teenager. It's very stressful for parents too. And so I think, you know, if you said, what's what's the thing you like the least, it's probably it because it, there were stresses and, and things that, that take place in there that, you know, are not enjoyable, <laughs> yep. but they're necessary for people and kids to grow up and be adults. So I think for me, when I was working in the K through 12 world, I loved that middle school time because the first thing you had said, the moodiness. And I was Uh just able to go with it. I was like, okay, I said hi to Craig in the morning and he was a little tired. And then two hours later, hi. And then a couple of hours later, he was angry. And it's like this, this rolling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's the hardest thing. And I think, you know, if you think back to when you were doing it as a kid, and then, you know, I tried to always, okay, 
what was I like at that age or what was going through my mind or what was I? And so that helps, you know, when your own kids are, you know, because truthfully, my kids probably about the time they hit fifth or sixth grade, that's when they sort of went from being children who loved me and adored me and thought the world revolved around me to, hey, maybe he's not so great. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and that's hard as a parent because, you know, one day your kid can't wait to sit on your lap and hug you and kiss you. And the next day they, they don't want you in their room, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think that that, that's a tough, that's, that's hard on everybody. So my last question for you is, do you have any advice or recommendations either for someone going through puberty and adolescence or for a parent or both? Well, I, I think my only advice would be, no, I mean, if you know what's coming and then, and everybody does, <laughs> at least you should. So, you know, it's coming, relax and, and try to ride it out, you know, without ever, anything becoming a, a tragedy. And it never is. If you know what, you know, what's going to happen mentally and physically with your child, you can recognize when those changes are coming and you can, you can deal with them. Everyone without exception, is going to go through the same thing. Every kid goes through the same exact thing. Now, some do it, you know, more dramatically than others. Some, you know, you notice it more than others, but they're all going through the same thing. As a teenager, you're not alone in in those issues that you're dealing with. Every kid is having the same physical changes, the same mental changes. They're having anxiety. They're having social, you know, anxiety. They're having issues at school with friends, with kids who are not their friends, whatever. Also, you know, every kid's going to have some friction with their parents at some level that will happen. And it's normal. It, it's, you know, as a kid, you have to remember, this is as hard on your parents as it is on you and vice versa. So it's hard to watch your, your kid who loves you and hugs you and kisses you turn into a kid who doesn't even want you to drop them off in front of the school, you know, <laughs> yeah. they don't want to be seen with you. And that's normal, though, because that, I mean, that's how kids grow up and, and separate from their parents and become mature adults. You know, that's, it's just part of how it is. So I I just think in the context of, of knowing what's coming, you sort of just ride it and, you know, try to keep your kids. Like I always told my kids, I said, getting you through childhood, adolescence and into adulthood is like herding cattle. I know what direction I want you to go. Okay. I know what boundaries there are that you cannot go past. So, you know, I look at it like, you know, herding a thing of cattle. This is the direction we're headed. This is where you cannot go outside of. But inside those boundaries, you will have the freedom to, to make mistakes and learn and grow and, and that. And as long as you stay in those boundaries, and that's part of my job to make sure you do, we're going to get to the end and we're going to be where we want to be. Right. And the other thing is, I always know as a parent, because I did the same thing, my kids are going to do something that is absolutely stupid. And I'm going to be like, what in the world were you thinking? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're going to make a, 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 a big mistake at some point. Now, you know, hopefully it's not a, you know, a life altering mistake, but they're going to make a mistake and they're going to do something, you know, that you're like, oh, my God. Excellent. And which is like one day at a time. 
and and you have to communicate. That's the biggest thing I think that falls off with with parents and teenagers is they stop talking to each other. And it's because the kids get sort of, you know, reserved and quiet and don't talk like they used to. And then parents try not to upset them or, you know, you know, get into an argument because they're asking questions that they don't want, you know, whatever. But I think it's your job to know what your kid is doing. And communication is something you can never stop. And even if your kid is private and withdrawn, still have to communicate. And and if you're the only one doing it, that's better than not having it all. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to respect privacy, but you also have to know what they're doing and who they're doing it with. That's why the app that goes along with my book is called Talk, Talk Purity, because talk is a verb. And then I have another app that just came out. It's called Talk Before Sex. And it's to get people talking so they can they can feel connected and they can resolve things because to well, me communication and, is imperative and don't forget you know your, your 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 child when they pull away like that a little bit and they you know they're going through whatever they still need to know that that they have a, a safe home where they're where they're wanted where they're loved where they're whatever they have to know that you you care about them and part of the, what gives them the safety or the you know confidence to go out and do a lot of the things that they do is because they know that they have that net at home that will catch them if if they fall and if they lose that they're in trouble thank you dr moni your words of advice i love hearing your your words there. You sound like you're you did the best you could as a parent. And it sounds like you you did a fine job. And I also appreciate your skills in the dermatology world because for the listeners, this is my dermatologist who actually removed some things from my face which needed to be removed. And I'm grateful for that. So I thank you so much for your time today. Oh, and, my pleasure. Uh, any last mm-hmm. words you want to say? You know, well, you 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 made me feel good saying what a good parent I was. I, <laughs> I I thought I was okay, but I made plenty of mistakes, and other parents make mistakes, and it's not the end of the world. There's no manual that we follow, so I just think whether it's medical or whatever, you got to talk with your kids, and you got to obviously you do the what you think is the best for them, but just don't be hard on yourself. Do the best you can, and. of the time, even if you're not that good, your kids will still turn out fine. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, I thank you so much again, Dr. Mone. And thank you to our listeners for listening. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to go to pubertyprof.com and fill fill out the comment box. And I'll see when I can answer the questions or I can forward them to Dr. Mone for more information about skin care or anything else that we talked about today. So thank you for listening and have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. 
There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.